0: Welcome, everyone, to Skilling with People podcast. I'm super excited to have Carol Steza on the call with me today. She has over 25 years um, studying difference between corporate and military leadership and identifying the best practices of both. She's an internationally acclaimed speaker, best-selling author, and executive leadership coach. She's also an expert in resilience, having survived three car accidents, oh my gosh, and stage three cancer, Thank you that you're here. Holy cow. So glad you're healthy and here with us. She's also been recently listed as one of the top 10 executive coaches to watch in 23 by U.S. Insider and one of 20 top leadership development coaches in 2023 by HR Tech Magazines. Impressive resume super excited to have you here on the call today, Carol. Thanks so much. Yes, I'm not dead yet. It's great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad because it's great to have you here. Thanks. So you've been, um, you got into coaching. Where did that happen and how that happened for you?
1: So that 25 years of getting to see corporate and military leaders was because I am a military spouse. My husband was in the Air Force and I worked and he worked in two different entities and we compared notes for decades. Um, Everything I did during his time in the military now falls underneath a brilliant umbrella of HR. But what I learned is I have a gift for working with the difficult people in the office. <laughs> people that, they're like, if you can make that person work with the team, that'll be a miracle. Well, I could do miracles. And what I found is my gift was working with people to change the way they think, which is exactly what coaching is designed to do. Not to change people's way of thinking, but to offer new perspectives so they themselves think differently. And when HR became really... Paper heavy. Um, I chose to step out of HR and into coaching so that I could really work with people.
0: I love that. And so you focus on the executive and top leadership roles. And part of the conversation in regards to those roles that is missing right now, I think, is in in regards to equality around, around women and anyone that isn't a, ma- a white male. Right? Is is a conversation in which we're we're missing at the top level. And I think that. Definitely the last couple of years, COVID certainly has helped a little bit. There's been more sight on it. But what is your perspective on those kinds of conversations and getting other leaders to the table? Well, I first started to try and
1: research the different pipelines that help companies build their leaders. And then we started noticing that there were different pipelines. And there seemed to be, as people started to choose their professions, choose their roles, choose where they work, um, COVID really helped facilitate more choices because they could live wherever, take care of whoever, and still use their talents. We started to notice big gaps in certain pipelines. So I just kind of started down the basics, men versus women. And it's not a gender war. This is not to be men against women at all this is kind of writing the ship research because organizations who have more women leadership than other organizations actually are 20% more profitable. And we, we could dive into that research, but it was significant enough to go, well, well, how do we give more women so that everybody wins? Because all these organizations employ all kinds of people, but if having more equity of genders, ways of thinking produces more financial return, this is of interest to everyone. And so when we looked at that pipeline, I got to kind of do a lot of research. And what was very interesting to me, and it's logical, all the data we have on how to get to the top um, involves data mostly on men. And if you look back in our history, you know why, because most of the men were the ones working. Got it. But all the training on leadership and getting a C-suite was based on what those men thought worked and what was missing. And there's a, a brilliant executive coach, and I lift all coaches up, who found that when she was a CEO, there were conversations she wasn't a part of. Why? So if we go back and, and look at what leadership data wanted to say, was one, this is what she kind of started to survey and collect. If we look at all the different leadership studies, and I do a lot of leadership training, there were three things that new research has found are pivotal to leaders being very successful. One is understanding how to identify and leverage their own personal genius, their talent, what they're good at, what they're not good at. Let, let that go. You know, build your team around you, your dream team, by knowing who you are first. Second was understanding how to identify and leverage and embrace the genius of others, meaning... You're always replacing yourself. Find the talent. List them up. Let them be the geniuses they are. Don't keep them down. Don't think you have to direct and command. But the third thing that was assumed everyone knew, which turns out to be the missing conversation, was all the conversations that dealt with bottom line success. Money. All businesses are formed to make money. It is the big focus 100% of the time. Men are in conversations about money. Women were in conversations about people. And women were okay with that because people means money. But what we found when they were going for and competing for upper executive jobs is they didn't know how to talk to the return on investment money dollar figures like the men could. The men would just assume that the people were there, we'd make money, where the women were defending the, the need of people assuming that meant money. So there were a lot of assumptions And that is those assumptions about how to talk about money, be engaged in all the conversations about money, that's the gap. That's the missing conversation for women. And the missing conversation for men is embracing the genius of other people. So we have these two different gaps and one's easier to fix than the other because there seems to be a ghost lurking in all hallways since beyond before 1900s that women don't talk about money yes we do we're the number one consumers in all households we know money oh baby do we know money
0: but because, how many people how many uh uh couples the female does the finances exactly
1: in the relationship right the most successful financial advisors will tell you talk to both equally about the need for financial investing not one or the other don't just talk to the person who makes it talk to the person who spends it But what was missing was other people, including men and upper women, making sure women knew how to connect all their geniuses, their own, their people, to the bottom line. Talk money. I'm not talking about, well, that costs this and this. No, the whole goal about understanding how to connect the dots is how do you help the company grow financially? That is a missing conversation for many women who are aiming for the top because they're not being included in those conversations. It's assumed they know them, but they still have to prove they know it by talking about it. And we're not talking about it. And it's interesting because I'll sit in a room with people and I'll I'll hear men go, hey, you know, I got that car and I got that golf clubs. Oh my gosh. And then we're doing this project. We pulled in three million dollars every year. And the women are over here going, Okay, so how much talent do we need for that project? We are subconsciously taught to talk about different things. And that's biting us in the butt of the top people recognizing who's qualified to help a company grow financially. And I find it a fascinating phenomenon. So how?
0: Solve it, right? Right. Like, obviously, start to get women in all ages and all no matter where they are in their career to be part of that conversation I, mean, I, I feel the same way I mean I'm a math major and I'm always constantly like how can I learn more about the financials how can I learn more about how to speak towards that so I can be able to be seen as the leader for this company uh, so that is an interesting aha moment that you have for sure and I think you're spot on
1: Well, you know and if i connect the dots to what people think women need this executive presence all these like words floating around and they go well you know i'm i'm guiding all my women to have more confidence and i go no they have confidence they know what they do well what you haven't told them is what to talk about that supports their confidence men if you if you got all the men in the room And said, let's talk about people. They go, "Mm -hmm." they would, because many of them love people, love their talent, love on their people, but they're very quick to go to the bottom dollar. Like when we win that project of 10 millions, I've got the right talent. Well, I'm going to have to save a million. They talk money from the very beginning. And women have a different way of approaching it that makes other people think they don't know the bottom line. It's not that they don't know it. Everybody is brilliant in their jobs. It's learning the conversations to lean into that allows the people above them to understand what they're ready for. I get really angry when people who are brilliant get passed over and not told why and then given some lame excuse like presence or this or that. And and we're finding that, no, you just didn't know what they knew and you didn't know the questions to ask them, and they weren't prepared to answer them if you asked them. So what I've been doing with a lot of my clients, regardless of gender, is do you know how that person's efforts is connected to the bottom line of that project? Do you know how your efforts are connected to the bottom line of all the projects you work on? Let's go find that out. What percentage of work are you doing on that project? Well, let's look at the cost of the project. Let's look at the return of it. Let's look at the growth potential of that project. So you're contributing this much to that project and its growth exponentially could be this. And the value you add is. It's just a different way to talk about the same things we already talk about with a little bit more gravitas and exchanging of knowledge.
0: Yeah, I can see how Yeah, thinking through the interactions I have with both genders inside of the C-suite now, how that is so stereotypically true uh, and a great thing. So, you know, someone who's on this call right now, especially who is a founder, first-time founder, or a leader helping a first-time founder get their business up and running from a startup, what would be like the first or maybe a tip that you could give them um, to help them improve in this area, to be more conscientious of, I got to figure out the dollar amount and be part of my conversation. Well,
1: it it for people starting a business, right, they're going to know where every penny goes. And people in the formative stages are going to spend every bit of profit on marketing or hiring. They are. It's when you get into organizations that have multiple layers of talent working that we find the training needs to change and be more intentional about going and telling people how they matter. And The leaders can do this so brilliantly by going. And whenever you have five-minute conversations about the project or you want to appreciate their efforts, it's always good to say, hey, by the way, Here's what you're doing really well. And this project costs this much. It's bringing this much revenue for the company. You're part of that revenue. And if we look at how many people are working on that and divide it equally across because they couldn't do it without you, you're part of that multi-million dollar project. You're part of that $10,000 project. And if we can make that return, this is where your efforts are mattering. And it doesn't have to be some, you know, tagline... Instagram worthy, you know, you're 40% of our intake. No, just the little drops of here's how you matter to our finances. Here's how your efforts are connected to the bottom line wakes up that topic subconsciously and consciously so that now they're always going to be aware of it everywhere else too. Start planting the seeds of how to talk about money to everyone regardless of who they are because they want to know how they matter to the organization. They will stay in an organization. You will lift your retention if you let people know how they matter because they will show up to matter.
0: That's so true. I mean, what I ask a lot of people, what gets you out of bed? And if they can tie that to what you're doing in your business and be part of that conversation, that gets them excited to get out of bed. On uh, a hard day, when it gets hard too, right? Like right now, the economy's hard. It's hard. Startups are hard in general. So what gets that person coming back? That's a great point. I love that.
1: Well, it kind of hits on the neuroscience piece of of the research, too. I was at one point, like all HR professionals, I was in charge of teaching people how to get good feedback. Well, I thought I nailed it. And then we started looking at the numbers and people still thought that the feedback sessions failed 95% of the time. Like they hated it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then Harvard did a lot of research on the same thing because it's always in the top five conflicting conversations at work. People are like, oh my God, I dread the feedback. I hate it when somebody goes, I got some feedback for you because it's never something I asked for. And it's probably gonna be, I'm broken or need fixing improvement. I'm like, okay. When you looked at the brain, the brain is always scanning the universe for two things. And that's it. Where do I fit and where can I grow next? And social media has capitalized on this. Scroll of all the things you like, you see something new and extra, ooh, cool, learn that. And then there's other people who've learned that, so you go find those people. And if you find something negative, you can delete, hide, get rid of it, unfriend it. And we wonder how to do that at work. Like, okay, you're negative. How do I delete, hide you? oh my goodness. So when it came to feedback, People want to know what they're doing right and where to grow next. Nobody needs improving. I wish we could just eliminate the question, how can I improve? Because it implies that you think you're broken or need fixing, and you don't. Nobody gets up needing fixing. Nobody comes to work broken. They all get up trying to be their best self. They may be doing it differently than most people, but nobody gets up going, you know what, today I can't wait to suck. I'm going to do that so well, I'm just going to suckle. No, they want to be their best self. They're just doing it differently. So when it came to feedback, the person who has the most power is the receiver. You can receive feedback all day if you do nothing with it. It goes nowhere. So then we started looking at how to teach people how to ask and go ask for the information they wanted, when they wanted it, and when they could use it. So how do you go ask somebody hey, what's the one thing I'm doing right on that project right now? And where's the next place you think I could grow? And it's this infinity loop that feeds the brain. And if you can follow those conversations, people will stay forever because you're validating their efforts and you're letting them know where to grow. And it's a big deal. And I
0: wish we would employ that faster. Yeah, i I That's such such... I don't know. It's such a unique way of looking at it, too, because I feel like in the in the HR profession, you know, feedback and reviews and OKRs and goals, like it just feels still so antiquated. Like there's been so much conversation about they need it needs to change. It needs to change. It needs a change, But no one seems to have the right answer what that looks like. But I think you you've you got something there in regards to just understanding where people are coming from. And yeah, you're right. Like, Everyone, for the most part, I think we all have some bad days every now and then, right? Absolutely. But for the most part, we wake up and we do. We want to be the self, self, the best self that we can be. And uh, we want to make sure that we're interacting and engaging with people in a way that's positive and, and meaningful. And I, I love the, those two questions. That That's really impactful. And I would suggest anyone listening to this podcast to so think about incorporating that in, if not a systematic way, then in uh, your one-on-one conversations every now and then, right, not every time you have a conversation with someone, but certainly like, you know, once a month or once every other month, I think, yeah, waiting to do it once a year is definitely not the right approach. We've learned that for sure. And yeah. then, um, you know, ha- having frequent paper or online processes to go through and review, it just feels like, you know, oh, I'm checking off the box because my corporate says I have to do this. It's still somewhat meaningful, but the way that you've framed it, it just really takes it to a whole new level.
1: Yeah. Big information doesn't have to take big time or big planning. And it doesn't have to feel punitive. You can actually have a what's going right conversation. And you can have a where do we grow next conversation. And what we found is that the brain can really only handle one thing at a time well we can multitask if it's mundane things. We don't have to think about the moment. You have to think about two things. You pick one. So when people say, well, don't, that sounds really great, but how do I do it? I said, well, easy. Sounds easy, but now it's a new habit and all new habits can feel hard. So let's make it easy. When you want to talk to somebody, preface the conversation with context. Hey, I want to have about five minute conversation with you about that project. That sets the framework. It sets both people up for success. It lets people just stop with their thinking about. Okay, now I know how to be successful with this conversation. Give me the context. You know, we've all had that thing. Hey, can you see me for five minutes? And your want your mind goes nuts, like, oh my god, what I do? <laughs> and I said, when somebody comes to you, hey, do you have? I, yeah, I, I do. But can you tell me what it's about? So I'll be in the right frame of, of mind when I come to you. Go ahead and be proactive and ask for it if they don't give it. But when you get together. You can say, what is the one thing, the most important thing that's going right right now? And let that be its own point. And don't let it go to two. Just go, oh, wait, before we go, move on. I just want to hang with that one for a minute. Can you share with me how you see that success, how you're experiencing that from your point of view, from your position, from your role? What's going on? Help me, help me understand. I want to see through your eyes. Okay. That's awesome. Do you know how we got there that we could replicate, right? That's a good conversation to have. And that's all the time you need and say, and the, oh, I got another thing. Okay. I tell you what, I only asked for five minutes. I want to respect your time. I'll come back. My brain can only handle one thing at a time. It's okay. I'll come back. But the same thing with bad news. Hey, here's one area I know we can grow. Here's how I see this. Here's what happened. But I think this is where we get to grow together. I get to support you. You get to do this. Here's what should be the first step. Here's how it's going to look when it's done right. If you do the same tiny steps, context, one thing, see it from the other person's perspective and ask for what and how questions, which are action questions, how to go to the next level of thinking, you can start to have very dynamic, quick conversations that you collect. And it allows you to go around and collect what you're doing really well or where you can grow in all parts of your work and all parts of your team.
0: I love that. So okay. Oh,
1: no, I was gonna say, can we formalize it? Sure. We can. You just have a form, you fill out and you keep track of yourself. You bring it to whatever HR meeting you're gonna have. Here's all the things I've been asking, collecting. Boom. Yeah. It's a different formalization. It's a self-propelled formalization. Again, the power of doing anything with feedback is the receiver. So let's give the power to the receiver and let them ask.
0: I, I just, I'm so impressed and love all that you're bringing to the table here. And so if someone wants to continue diving into this and, and figuring out how to incorporate this, is this part of one of the books that you've authored or um, is it a speech that you can you know connect the audience to that they can learn more? How would you recommend someone diving into this deeper? So... No, and yes. So I haven't written about it yet
1: other than in coaching tips and just blogs. Um, I ha- I have developed a, a speech that I delivered in Arizona to a women's leadership summit. I'll be delivering it again in Salt Lake City at the um, Edison Social House on July 19th. And I believe it's open to the public. It's for women um, in leadership roles to come and just, they get to hear me and they get to hear my friend, Sharon, who is the first female F-16 pilot. Um He gets to describe how she got there because it's not a traditional path. And I think it's a brilliant way to open up how we go after things in non-traditional ways. Um, But I am um, putting together a leadership challenge um, quarterly program that will start in September. And it will include this type of push to understand how to go after what works, where you can grow, and how to talk about the bottom line more consistently as a leader to everyone you want to build up. Um, and in, the, in 2024, I have a goal of co-creating with leaders a mastermind. There's a certain level of leadership that, that becomes isolating. They just don't have a, a, a somebody at work that wants to hear them vent or bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, where do I go for that? And growing and learning from other people, and that's going to be coming in 2024. I um,
0: guess uh key key roles there will be CEOs and CHROs CPOs like right knowledge. like yeah yeah the not. CEOs can bitch and complain and and get away with it with their HR person if they have that good trust right where's the HR person go? that's right but <laughs> yeah. but you know for
1: high level program managers their boss doesn't want to hear them bitch either yeah. so yeah. where do they go right um and then I just moved to Denver during COVID and I have found a great retreat place in Breckenridge Mountains in the fall when the Aspens turn. So that's on the docks for fall of 2024 as well. Because I just think we need more connections to each other to grow in these new and unique ways of leading so that we keep the talent that we really want.
0: I think that's so important and such a key thing too, right? Because we've gone through as a human race, we have gone through so much and you just look back 10, 15, 20 years, even 40 years. And the difference of what it is to be in the office, what it is to be a corporate worker has just so drastically changed. I mean, just in the last three years because of COVID, right? Three to four years, it's changed massively. Mm-hmm. And if we are not in the frame, in the mind frame of constantly looking to improve and make changes, we're going to be left behind. But I think what you offer is, is such a pivotal thing for all leaders whether they're up and coming or they've been doing it for 10, 15 years.
1: And it's, it's the funny thing is that people connections, when people ask to see things from the other person's perspective, that can't be taken over by AI. Mm -hmm. It's a place we still get to own and we just need to do a really good job of it.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Well, thanks, Carol. It was so great having you on the call today. That was some amazing information. I definitely want to digest and re-listen, and re-watch this to, to hear more. And I look forward to seeing things coming from your world. And and you know, maybe a book, maybe getting to join you at some of your guest speaking. Uh, certainly, would love to come out to the Aspen's yes. in twenty twenty four. But uh, we'll keep an eye out. We'll have a link to your website for people that are listening that want to learn more about what you offer and uh, thanks so much for everyone for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. Thanks.